Good morning, church. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and are glad in it. Can we take about six seconds just to rejoice in the Lord this morning? We thank you, Lord. We honor you today for waking us up today, giving us life, health, and strength, bringing us through another week, safe travels. God, you're worthy to be praised, and we glorify and honor your holy name because he is worthy. Amen? He is so worthy. My name is Paul, and I am privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation. It is so good to see each of you. Uh, so great to see, can't see them, but the folks live streaming, thank you for live streaming as well. Uh, we're just grateful that you took an hour of your time to spend with us in worship today, and that you thought it not robbery to come on out and find us here at Walker uh, and spend some time giving God the glory. It's really good to see you, and thankful as always for every single volunteer, as we like to say, who has embraced the privilege of being inconvenienced to serve as unto the Lord. We are so grateful for you. Uh, this past weekend and last weekend, I think the college students, at least at UVA, moved in, and, and maybe some of you are here, whether at UVA or PVCC or elsewhere, but I would love for you to stand so that we can pray with and for you. If you are a college student, a continuing studies, professional studies student, a graduate student, if you're in the room, I know you're here, you don't want to stand, but you can stay, all right, I'm about to say, we know you're back, right? I'll keep standing, and as uh, an outward sign of, of the, the inner faith that we have, if you don't mind just extending your hand, I just want to pray for each of our students who are here with us this morning. Lord, we thank you for every student who is here. All of us are students, but those starting a semester in some form or capacity, we thank you for the opportunity they have to continue their education, and I pray that they would steward their education, that they would pursue it as unto you as an act of worship. I pray that no weapon formed against them in this season would prosper and that they would see you in every endeavor, that they would remember that your courage, that your boldness can be theirs as they move forward, that they remember that their voice in whatever space they occupy matters. We thank you, God, for your kingdom being advanced in the spaces you've called these students to advance them, and may they be empowered by you to do well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Turn with me to the book of Ruth. We're going to look at chapter one this morning. We've been in a series, if you've been with us, called Teammates Matter. Uh, the first Sunday of the month, we started out in 1 Corinthians 12 and spoke from a message entitled, Know Me, Homie. Uh, the second week, we, we looked at uh, the relationships between King Saul and David and David and Jonathan in 1 Samuel 18, and that message was entitled, Teammate Goals. And then last week, we had Pastor A.J. Mosley, uh, one of my brothers and friends from Divine Unity Community Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia, also known as Duck, who talked about being built together, and he referenced Ephesians 2 in doing so and brought, I thought, a powerful word that I've listened to two times since then, and I pick up little nuggets each time that I, that I listen. If you weren't here or like me, you like to go back, you can download the app or go online and go to SoundCloud and listen to those messages to get a sense for what the series has been all about. Um, today, we're going to continue with that series and finish it, uh, looking at the relationships between Ruth and Naomi and Orpah, um, highlighting, I think, and extending some of the themes that were referenced throughout the month of August and certainly last week that Pastor AJ, uh, in Pastor AJ's message. But Ruth chapter 1, 
Um, before we even read, let's just pray again. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We pray according to your word. Psalm 119 and 18 says to open up our eyes so that we may see all that is in the law. We can't see unless you open. We can't hear unless you open our ears. Soften hearts, mine included this morning, to receive what it is you have for us from your word. And may we let it drop 18 or so inches from our heads to our hearts such that it's not just head knowledge, but applied to our everyday living as you would have designed it. We thank you, God, for speaking to us today through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. By now you've got Ephesians. Ruth chapter 1. Um, And if you don't, it's on the screen in the New International Version. Ruth chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 6 through 16, and I would love for you to participate and read with me, whatever version you're looking at. And if you're looking at the screen, that's the the version I'm reading, but I'd love for you to read it along with me. Verse 6 of chapter 1 of Ruth says, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Amen. Now, the title of the message this morning is Cling Well. Cling Well. Uh, A couple of, was it a couple weeks ago? I always look for my wife uh, to kind of help me with memory. I think it was a couple weeks ago, we had a friend who was visiting uh, in town. She had lived here in Charlottesville for some time, and You might have seen her come down front and sit next to Taylor. She came in a little late after going to what was her home church here for a bit and then uh, choosing to come and spend some time with us, which was nice. But she was here just for a little bit, and she bought our kids some toys. I mean, just came bearing gifts, flying from Houston. And and one of the toys was this little air rocket launcher. Uh, If you're familiar with that, it's just this little Nerf thing, right, that you put onto this contraption, and you jump on this big air bubble, and these rockets shoot up way in the air, and it's kind of cool and fun, and everybody has a good time. Except when those rocket launchers go on your low roof and stay. (laughs) So I'm inside while they're outside having fun with Caitlin, and I'm I'm just like, okay, whatever, you know, glad she's here. She's spending time. They love her. They missed her. And I, oh, no. (laughs) I go outside. Two of the four rockets are on the roof. 
I said, okay, Lord, uh, we gave our ladder away because we moved, I don't know how many times in six years, I was just unloading everything. So we don't even have a ladder to get on the roof. So I take everybody with me, the kids, to Lowe's, which is like Target. It's just a good kid's trip to take. And say, we're just going to go run them streets <laughs> in Lowe's. Run into anything you want. Um, they love it because they can, you know, really break a whole lot. But we're there, and I pick up a ladder to get back home and put this thing up and go get the, the, the launches off the roof. So I put up the ladder. Um, I start stepping up kind of casually, step one, step two, three, four. I get to like five, six, seven, and eight. And as you might imagine, I'm realizing then if I, if I fall <laughs> off of this ladder, I'm in trouble, right? My 39, close to be 40-year-old knees don't have the cushion they used to have to, et cetera. It's not, no longer a thrill to think about what it would be like to jump. It's more like I'm, I'm terrified of it. So as I get up on nine, 10, of the ladders, I start gripping that thing like nobody's business. And I realized, man, I'm scared. Let me get up on this roof and get what I need to get and get back down. Gripping, clinging, adhering to, holding on to tightly, if I'm honest, because of fear, which I don't think is unlike many of us in life when we cling to God, to other people, maybe to things. We have a medical diagnosis and we just there's no control over, there's desperation, we're clinging. If we have a grade that you got that you hadn't seen ever in your academic life, financial aid is financial damage <laughs> or looks that way to you, right? When retirement maybe isn't as exciting as it is terrifying for you, we might in those moments out of desperation or a sense of no control then start to cling and it may be more so out of fear than it is out of faith. And what I hope to emphasize today is when we cling to God and we cling to each other in faith, then the supernatural can be birthed. The story of Ruth is one of faithfulness. Ruth chose the God of the Israelites to be her God. She chose their people to be her people. In the story, it's interesting, there's a picture of a family that is represented throughout Ruth. Um, the husband's name is Elimelech. He's married to a woman named Naomi. And through their story, we kind of learn about Ruth. And we learn this. We learn that there was a famine in the land of Bethlehem in Judah. And so they set out from that land. They rolled out to Moab. And when they go to Moab, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. But they had two sons. So can you imagine the unimaginable loss of a spouse? She's in a different land not that it, it just makes it, I think, worse that you have this loss and then you're just in unfamiliar territory. But she's got her two sons, which at the very least now the name can be perpetuated of the family. These two sons who then go and marry two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. They're there for about 10 years because the famine is still occurring back in Bethlehem of Judah. And about 10 years in or so, her two sons also die. The unthinkable husband is gone. Now my two sons are gone. Orpah and Ruth say to her in so many words, what do you want to do? Where are you going? Well, Naomi around this time gets word that back home, the, the Lord has now provided food. And so she says, I'm packing up. I'm going home. Orpah and Ruth say, we're coming with you. And she says, okay, come on. But then she had some second thoughts and said, wait a second, don't come. She started, I imagine, to think of the security that they had in their own land, their mother's home, the refuge, the safety 
their sense of familiarity. She says, you know what, don't even bother coming. But then they said, no, we're coming with you. Naomi then goes on and pours it on and says, listen, I don't have a husband. I don't have, even if I did and, 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 and we had a child, would you wait till he grew up? And then she says, look, God is against me. Do you really want to come with me? And at that point, Orpah was like, you know, got some dishes <laughs> in the house. Uh, I need to go and, and stay here. But I was struck by Naomi's sense of empathy. Women are strong. I don't understand how the unimaginable loss and pain she's experiencing, and yet she's thinking about Oprah and Ruth's well-being, when really their companionship for her would have been the kind of solace that she could be encouraged by. And yet she's thinking, I said, Lord, that is something, because if that were me and you, I imagine, we might have told them to stay. But it might have been something more like, you know, I came to Moab. There was a famine in my land. We came here. My husband died. Then my two sons marry Moabite women, and they die. How about y'all two Moabites stay where you are because I'm still here and I'm going to just go back. That, I think, is kind of the mindset I would have if I were telling them to stay. But no, Naomi, in caring for them, said otherwise. No, it really would be best for you to stay here. Orpah leaves, but Ruth clung. She adhered to. She held on tightly. When we cling to God and to each other in faith, the supernatural can be birthed. Some of, you, some of you all know, I'm looking at faces who may not know, we spent two years in Northern Virginia preparing to start Victory Church. And while we were there, the senior pastor of, of Grace Covenant Church in Chantilly, who will be with us in uh, September, as well as the executive pastor, Jim Critcher, who has been with us and will be with us again in January 2020, we would meet with individuals to talk about the vision of Victory and to ask, do you want to go? Do you want to come with us to Charlottesville? Like, leave your jobs in Northern Virginia. You probably won't get paid half as much in Charlottesville. Might be harder to find a job, but by faith, you want to come? But also a part of those conversations, I'm thankful for Pastor Brett and Pastor Jim, was almost like a version of scared straight. They would say stuff like, it's going to be the hardest thing you would ever do. You sure? You're going to go down there and use all, you know, the fanfare and all the flyers are going. And then you're going to get there and be like, I don't even like the mountains. <laughs> and this paycheck difference is real. And Charlottesville really isn't as cheap as I thought. All of these things they would present to them. And they would say things like, and the tests are going to come. They're going to come in your marriage. You might get a medical diagnosis in your finances. Something is going to come and it's going to rock you. And unless this move is by faith, you're going to cling to some of the wrong things in those moments. You'll probably run. So are you sure you really want to go? And we skillfully <laughs> whittled down the 20 or 25 folks who would come to each of those group meetings to three <laughs> who came. Ashley Farr is one of them, up and left. Didn't know Charlottesville from nothing. <laughs> Andrea Smith, who heads up our, uh, Ashley runs our communications team here. Ashley, uh, Andrea Smith, uh, who's in Victory Kids and, and runs that ministry, she too took an enormous pay cut to come here and said, by faith, I'm coming to cling. Cling to the vision. Cling to the people God has called me to. Mary Boyles is another. Had to find a job and didn't have any job to look for. There was an interview that came about with no job posting. God planted her here, and she says, I'm coming to cling. Clinging to the vision of God and the people of God. Which isn't to say that those who did not come 
are somehow wrong. In fact, we would celebrate when people would come and say, you know, Pastor, we've been praying about it, and the Lord, just, we just felt like he said no. And Taylor and I both would be like, hallelujah, <laughs> praise the Lord, because you heard right and you are obeying. And that saved me some heartburn, because if you came and realized it was something else, it was the fanfare, the excitement, and not faith and really being rooted here, we all have issues. So praise God. He said no when you heard. Amen? Many of them are clinging to God and to the people in the locale that God's called them to cling. And so there's nothing, if you will, wrong about people who don't necessarily come. And might I just jump, if I will, to one of the, the points of today, which is everybody's not going to come along with you on your journey. Everybody's not going to go all the way in and risk a whole lot to join you in whatever you feel the vision of God is for your life. But oh, if they do, if they join and cling in such a way like Ruth did to Naomi, the supernatural can indeed be birthed. Ruth's faith, strong woman of faith and courage, her clinging to Naomi in that moment then led in later chapters to her being joined to a brother named Boaz. And that union led to a brother named Obed being born. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago. David was the father of Solomon. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. I know this is like the favorite parts of your Bible that you read, so... I get it. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jothan. Jothan, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. You can turn to Matthew 1 and read it with me if you want. Manasseh, the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. Jeconiah, the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihu. Abihu, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Elihu. Elihu, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. Jacob is the father of Joseph, husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is our Messiah. I just needed a breath, so thank you for that. <laughs> but when we cling to God and each other, the supernatural can be birthed. Here Ruth is, a strong woman of faith, had the audacity, the courage to cling. It says, she said, your people will be my people, which implies there was some distance. There was some cross-cultural experience she was about to engage in that she knew nothing of. She was going to eat some food she hadn't eaten before. She's going to spend some time in neighborhoods seeing things through a different lens that she had yet to experience. She may have even listened to John P. Key when Hillsong was her favorite. <laughs> there was going to be some things about her going to Bethlehem of Judah with Ruth that were unfamiliar to her, but she clung in faith, and the supernatural was birthed. By the grace of God, how might generations from now look back Students at CHS, for example, and say, my goodness, I am so glad that that group of people decided to cling, to be reconciled to God and to each other. I am so glad that some people took a risk and were uncomfortable and engaged the unknown with faith such that now we get to reap some benefits. I'm glad, for example, when I think of Dr. King, who clung, John Jasper, Baptist minister, former slave after the Civil War became a Baptist minister, who clung. I'm so glad that Juliet 
Hammond clung, a white, wealthy woman who lived in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, and chose to use her privilege as to push back on the status quo. I'm glad she clung. I'm so glad that my grandfather and granddaddy clung because then there's something supernatural that we can take part in, be a part of. I'm so glad that some of us here today, even after Vinegar Hill decided to cling, after Martise Johnson decided to cling, after August 11th and 12th, are deciding to cling to what God still says in his word about us being reconciled to him and to each other. Some are taking the risk, and I am grateful for all of what people are doing to cling. And yet, above all, I am so glad that Jesus clung. Through difficulty, through pain, pain that he clearly is aware of that we experience on a daily basis and is not unsympathetic to, he took on human flesh so that he could experience it, and yet he clung. He did have a moment like us where we're like, Lord, let this cup pass. Do I really need to go through that? But no, Lord, your will be done, not mine. He clung so that we then could cling. And because he clung, you and I can have some hope. Because he clung, we could have peace. Because he clung, students, no weapon formed against you will prosper this semester. Because he decided to cling, we today can have some faith. We can have rest in him. And we get now the choice to cling, the opportunity to cling to that old rugged cross, to the, to the rock that is higher than I. And in our clinging to him, like Ruth clinging to Naomi was a picture of our clinging to God, we also get to cling to each other. And when we do, when we cling to God and we cling to each other, the supernatural is absolutely birthed. There are some places that God wants to take us that will necessitate our clinging, being adhered to, joining to a group of people, whether it's victory or somewhere else, unless you hear that. It's not what I'm getting... Being joined to a body that says, I'm going all the way in with you. Can skill sets travel? Can we do some wonderful things alone? Absolutely. But there are some places that nobody's going to go unless we go with others. And many times it's not even about the destination as much as it is the process. What's happening in the process? If you cling to me, Paul Harris, you will not stay the same. You can't. You cannot keep the prejudices and biases of brothers who grow up in Belmore, New York, and cling and love me at the same time. That can't happen if you're clinging. If you're really getting to know me, if I'm getting to know you, I can't keep some of the things in my blind spots if we're really going to join to one another. You might actually start to like John P. Key. Watch out. <laughs> might actually shout in church once in a while. Watch out. If you're clinging and we're clinging together, you cannot stay the same. Some things are going to be given up if as we cling, which is not to say, caveat, that we are here wanting to create a melting pot. No, you are who you are. We preached about this a few weeks ago, and who you are, God wanted you to bring with you into here, except for the sin. It's all the nastiness and junk that we all have. I'm the first in line to say, God, expose me. Rid me of the junk and the nastiness. Get it out of me so I can cling well. That stuff can't stay. We can't, and that's the process beyond the destination of what we might name as goals and metrics for whatever organization, that's the process where reconciliation happens. Ruth said, you know what? Almost like the covenantal loyalty with Jonathan and David, 
She says, I'm going to cling to you. There's nothing about where we're going that I know anything about. In many ways, she's a picture, another picture of Abraham who said, you know, I'm going to a land I don't know anything about. When all hope seemed lost, everybody's dying. And yet, like Abraham, there's an heir to be born. And what I want to challenge us to reflect on is what heir is to be born through our clinging one with another, our engaging the unknown, the uncomfortable, the risk, the difficulty. And saying, like a few said from Northern Virginia and elsewhere, I'm in. When I was on that ladder, shaking <laughs> at the top, I got back down. My neighbor came over to the house. He said, Paul, man, nice ladder, bro. Like, I said, yeah, man, you know, I had to get it. <laughs> oh, and he knows a lot, very handy. And so he came over. We start talking about life. And he starts looking at the ladder. He says, man, Paul, this is a nice ladder. It folds down. Got these little adjustments here and there. He says, oh, man, did you realize, like, on the bottom, there are these little things that you can turn over and push down into the, <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I didn't, didn't see that. Thank you, man. Um, he says, well, yeah, and when you get on, he's, no joke, he says, you want to cling at the bottom. And you want to step on it hard and dig, just push it down. <clears throat> get it in there. And then when you start going up, you still might be, you know, feel a little shakiness, but you know, you know that you're rooted and you've been clinging the whole way, even when you didn't necessarily know you didn't have control, but you were clinging the whole way up, but you had gone down deep. I said, man, this brother's preaching to me right now. Uh, and I didn't, say, I didn't say anything. I'm just listening to him. I'm like, man, I hear that. When we cling, y'all can preach where I'm, where I'm going with this. Not just when we feel out of control, when we get the diagnosis, right? All of those things that I reference when we automatically tend to cling. God, I need you. I'm dying. I need Uncle so-and-so. He got money. I paid his debt. All of those moments where we realize we have control, God's saying no. On the first run, when you feel like things are going well, go in. Have lunch with Willie. Have a little coffee with Ashley. Where are you from? Tell me a little bit more about your life. Who do you listen to? What was life like for you? Tell me through your lens what that looks like. Help me to enter your space. On the first rung, let's engage. And when we get a little high and we feel like it's getting a little risky, they're pulling out all the gospel now. They're pulling out all, Paul is starting to scream from the stage. What is going on at Victory Church? I can't, I, where am I? He'll say, you know what? We've already gone deep. The foundation is there. And so our clinging to God and each other in that moment, it's not about fear and I'm going to fall because we're rooted. Stakes are in the ground. But now it's about faith. Where are you taking me, Lord? To the rooftop? Let me go up a little higher. I want to go up a little higher. Who else can I bring into the fold to say, I need you? What did Hezekiah Walker say? I told you I was going to get a little uncomfortable in my world. Perhaps I need you. I won't sing like Will did. That was good, bro. But I need you to survive. Literally, when we don't feel like we do. That is the koinonia, the Greek word for fellowship that we talk about. When we talk about being in fellowship with one another, not that we're against membership. I'm digressing a little bit, but it's, it's biblical anyhow. Not against that at all, but I've realized over time, man, I could be a member and not be in fellowship. And we're looking at the roles 20 years later. Hey, it's so we ain't seen them forever. Fellowship, koinonia, when there's partnership, when there's engagement, when there's time, when there is a genuine interest an engagement of, like Ruth said, your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Now, some may not come with you. 
I'll take it from the corporate to the individual. There are some ways about which you think of the world and what God's put you on the planet to do. And there are some folks who might not come along with you. And you know what I say? Thank God for them. Thank God for them. I can speak corporately of the church. The folks in Northern Virginia that didn't come, they're praying for us. We're having lunch with them when we can. We love them. And they've been in our lives for this season. And now they says, and we're going to send you. There may be people in your life who for a season have been with you, but as you take that step and difficulty comes with the Orpahs or whoever saying, I'm out. <laughs> know that if God's called you, and he has to cling to him, certainly. And if he's called you to the group of people he's called you to, know that the supernatural will be birthed. Now, let me say as another caveat, and there's a whole lot of caveats, and I'm going to come back to the main point. If, though, they're not coming along with you, has to do with them pursuing other gods. Theologians debate whether or not there was something wrong with Orpah, but Ruth did, or Naomi did at one point say, see, she's going back to her land and to her other gods. Chemosh, C-H-E-M-O-S-H. If you see that, then there's some issue, right? If you're not coming along and that's a function of you're not clinging to God, then, hey, let's get together and pray about that. But if somehow people aren't just coming along with you, say, God, I thank you for them. And I know the people to whom you call me to be, and I am thankful for the supernatural that will be birthed through my clinging. When we cling to God, family, and to each other, the supernatural, the supernatural, not good strategies or plans or ideas, but the supernatural can be birthed. May we all reflect on and digest and chew on that word and be challenged by how we can engage that word practically this week. My imagination, because that's what I do all week, is thinking about a community that's not afraid to cling, to adhere to, to hold on tightly. A community who sees benefit beyond themselves, and rather they don't even see it all, but by faith are saying, God, I know what you said in your word. I see a community that can do that in spite of what we've experienced. And in so doing, God doing what he does, destroying the walls of hostility Ephesians 2 talks about, and so much more. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you.